we're sharing stuff that um, is everywhere else. Um, so this link comes off of the heels of Avraham's Q&A last week. Um, I was having like a chat with, with Todd um, about uh, what he was asking Avraham, and uh, we were trying to find uh, the source on this one story of the fact that um, Hezekiah's son Manasseh is actually Isaiah's grandson. And so it's his grandson that has him killed. Um, and so we were trying to find the, the source on that and everything. And, and here it is in the Mishnah. Um, this is, if you look on that link, oh, which one did it start? It's, it's 10A and it starts with line 27. 10A line 27. So if you look at this story, I'm just going to like do a quick synopsis of it. But basically, um, Hezekiah performs the uh, Davidic covenant on behalf of his people, because the, the army's knocking at the door there, they're, they're going to take over, right? And so he performs the Davidic covenant in the temple with the Lord, and secures the physical deliverance of his people. But he becomes nigh unto death and, and suffers, has to perform a sacrifice for it. And interesting, in this Mishnah account, it talks about more on that story, which is quite rich and amazing. And I'm sharing this because we've went through like Isaiah decoded and, and the importance of Hezekiah and all that. Um, but anyway, so Hezekiah is nigh unto death and him and Isaiah have this squabble. Like, no, you come see me first. No, you come see me first. And um, so when he is struck um, sick, then the Lord tells Isaiah, now you have to go minister to him. So he goes and ministers to him and he tells him, yeah, you're going to die. Yeah, plain and simple. This is the end of the road for you. Get your affairs in order. And Hezekiah says, why? What did I do? Uh, what iniquity did it, um, do I have upon me? And he says, Isaiah tells him, it's because you never married and had kids. You never fulfilled the law of the Lord that said, multiply and replenish the earth. And um, Hezekiah retorts back saying, I seen in vision that the fruit of my loins would be evil. And so I thought it better not to marry or have children. And Isaiah says, well, it doesn't matter. You're going to be, you're going to die because of it. And um, Hezekiah then goes to the Lord again and is like, no. When people repent, this is what the I found in the, the text of the temple. When people repent, they can be, be saved. So if I can do it now, can I be healed? And so he goes to Isaiah and says, okay, so with my righteousness and your righteousness put together, maybe we can thwart this bad prophecy of uh, the, the offshoot of my loins here. So give me your daughter. I will have children with her and hopefully we can raise good children. And so Isaiah gives uh, his daughter to him to, to marry. And so that's who Hezekiah marries and has Manasseh. Manasseh turns out the worst king of all Israelite history and actually saw, has Isaiah son in half. And so it was this interesting Mishnah story that um, I had kind of heard but I'd never been able to find it. And so um, this is a, a really interesting one. Um, if anybody wants that reference on it. Um, so sad. I know, isn't it? Very sad. Very <laughs> you said sad. 10, 8, line 27 is where it starts. Is that what you said? Uh -huh. So we're looking in um, uh, Barachot 
10 uh -huh, yeah let me so i don't i do like but i don't like how this website is set up but this um sapphira is is set up on a continuous scroll so anyway you have to go until this top um bar shows barakot 10a because it'll just switch into 10b uh or vice versa anywhere up and down is so, the whole time is that <clears throat> um no yeah it'll go through lots of different um books of the the talmud and stuff so anyway uh, yeah. sense, is it open right to that it should open right to 10a but if it doesn't you just have to to scroll to barakot 10a and then um, here on the right hand side in the light gray is the numbering system for those uh, paragraphs or lines or whatever. And so Berakot 10A27. And so if all else fails, let me copy this again to the chat so that it. Oh, so the link that I sent before went to line 26. And this one is going to go to line 27 right where you need to start. Yeah, I have a love-hate relationship with this website, but it's the best source for if you want anything in the Mishnah, that's where it's at. So it has the the Tanakh, the Talmud, the Midrash, uh, uh, the just everything, all the different commentaries from all the rabbis throughout the years. Um, uh, this this website's pretty dang good, but <laughs> it's also a little bit confusing to to navigate. Um. And a little over my head. <laughs> it's a little bit extra nerdy for you on a <laughs> Sunday evening. <laughs> it's not nerdy. It's just a little over my head. Like, yeah. Whoa. So um, I, I can't remember. I think we did this back with the, um, the Abraham book, right? Um, where we went through what is the the Tanakh, the... Uh, the, the Bible, the Talmud, the Torah, uh, right. all that kind of stuff. And then we talked yeah. about the Mishnah. The Mishnah is basically like our version of the Institute manuals. So all of the best professors and, and people writing commentaries upon the Bible, but it's not to be taken as the word of, the, of God, but it is different things of different professors or rabbis going out and finding... Um, scrolls here and there that um, have very important information and bringing that in in kind of an institute commentary type of a forum uh that's what the, the to, did you kind of have to get used to the language of it and stuff oh yeah or was it pretty it's super hard to... <laughs> well um like let's just read that one paragraph there uh it, it actually does a pretty good job it has the masoretic text here so i mean if you read hebrew then you're, you're going to get a lot more out of it but uh, the translation into english isn't that bad um so it says what did the holy one blessed is he do to affect compromise between hezekiah and isaiah and then it goes into the story he brought the suffering of illness upon hezekiah and told isaiah go and visit the sick so it, it's a pretty yeah. English translation that it's e easy to follow. Yeah, but again, I, anytime that you're going into Hebrew and Mishnah and <laughs> all this kind of stuff, it, it can get really over your head. So if you ever need a helping hand, I can <laughs> walk you through uh, some Hebrew dives. <laughs> We're going to be doing that, I think, a lot with the topical guide study for Jesus Christ. 
um, because I found that concordances and lexicons are so fun uh, when we're doing word studies uh, when it comes to comes to Christ. Did you do what Abraham suggested to do the modern Hebrew first and then dive in to the? I I haven't necessarily even dove into any Hebrew. Um, I just try to look at the dictionary and, and lexicons to do word searches, but I really don't know Hebrew like at all. Like I, that's my <laughs> goal this next year is, is really to dive in and, and learn that. But I found that very interesting in the Q&A. Um, he said, just go online with all of the free resources that we have. If you want to learn Hebrew, learn modern Hebrew first. And then because all of the ancient Hebrew courses and classes are expensive and, and you know, they're, they're pretty high above your head kind of thing. Learn modern Hebrew. And then it's just a hop, skip and a jump to uh, transition over to the, the ancient Hebrew. So do it for free, do all the resources here and then go there. I was like, oh, that's great advice. I probably would have spent thousands of dollars and kind of fell flat on my face the other way. But anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I get really long-winded. I tell you, my brain's everywhere these days. Um, so let's go ahead and get started. Uh, looks like Leslie's got her glasses back, so we don't need to <laughs> call on her to pray. <laughs> um, Kathy Barton, would you give us an opening prayer? <laughs> yeah. Our dear kind Heavenly Father, we're so thankful that we can join tonight as friends and studying lectures of faith. We're so thankful for Cameron's time and devotion and our behalf and we're thankful for this book and for the information that we're learning. Please help us to have thy spirit with us that we can learn and grow in the way that thou would have us. We're grateful unto thee for all we have and enjoy. We acknowledge thy hand in all things and we're so thankful for our prophet Joseph Smith and for this work that he put forth in our in our behalf and we love thee so much. We say these things humbly in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you. All right. So we have got lecture sixth, which is so fun. <laughs> uh, me and my mom just kind of did like a, a couple hours of powered study with it. And <laughs> there was a lot of stuff there that I didn't even have before last night. Like uh, I'm finding that I, I love lecture six uh, <laughs> a lot. Now she keeps asking me like, okay, now is this going to be your favorite? No, lecture five, I think is still <laughs> my, my all-time favorite, but lecture six has got a lot more packed in it than I thought before. So anyway, what was your guys' experience with it? Um, uh, did you uh, love it? Did you understand it? Was it, uh, do you have more... <laughs> like lecture five, do you have more questions than you had going into it? Or <laughs> what What you got with lecture six? I'm just pulling it up here. My heart was totally convicted. I can tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> Some power in it, right? Yeah, there's major power. I, I <laughs> seriously. I am so glad that the Lord has led us to, to study the lectures and to deep dive them. Um, this week, uh, well, mainly yesterday and today, really, I feel like as Avraham was testifying of uh, how he was given some of the tools and insights to help unlock Isaiah, um, I feel this on a personal level. 
that that the Lord for the last two to three weeks has given been helping me unlock the lectures for me personally. Uh, you know, I don't claim to have the keys to unlock them kind of thing, but like studying out the literary devices in the lectures has, uh, I don't know, it, it just unlocked them for me. Like I finally understand them, at least for me personally. Um, lecture five or that we studied last week, it has a bifid structure. There's the first half of lecture five, the second half of lecture five, and they're <coughs> pointing at different principles here. And um, I think that it's huge going into lecture sixth. So um, I did a, uh, let's see, what's the name of this site? I'm gonna post the link in the chat because I use this text analyzer um, fairly often. So you can plug in and copy and paste any text into this website tool, and it will analyze the words for you and show you these are the top phrases or these are the top words um, that are in here. And so let me share you the results of lecture sixth, because I think it points out some interesting things. Okay, sorry to scroll there. <laughs> so it uh, gives you just all the basic uh, numbers off of the, the lecture here, but then it separates out. Here's the top phrases that contain eight words. Um, these eight words are repeated twice. These eight words are repeated twice. These eight words are repeated twice. And then it goes into the top phrases that contain seven words and six words and five words, etc. And so if you scroll to the bottom, we can get just the single words and their occurrence. So this is the unfiltered word count. And of course, we're going to have the, of, and all of that kind of stuff. But I found it super interesting that the first, I don't know, real word, I, I guess, um, is God. And it occurs 30 different times. I mean, no surprise there. With anything in scripture, I'm sure it's probably going to be uh, likened to that. But the next one is will. And it has 25 occurrences. And I thought that very interesting. And so my first kind of resource that I'm uh, tending to <laughs> lean on heavily these days is the Webster Dictionary. And so I look up will and try to define it because I find it's kind of like, you know, describe salt to me. I don't know. It's salty. Like it's kind of hard to describe will without using the word will. And so um, here's these, this great paragraph from the, the Webster's 1928 Dictionary. It says, will, the noun version of, of will, is that faculty of the mind by which we determine either to do or forbear an action. So it's basically like, okay, you have a choice to make, and you either do it or you don't. I mean, we, we kind of call that agency, right? Or the ability to choose between different things. But it's a faculty of the mind, the faculty which exercised in deciding among two or more objects which we shall embrace or pursue. The will is directed or influenced by the judgment. The understanding or reason compares different objects, which operates as motives, et cetera. I mean, there's a lot to it, but um, you know, I, I encourage you to, to go in and really study the definition of, of will there. Um, but here's the thing that <laughs> really stuck out to me. Will is the, a faculty of the mind. And what did we study last week? we studied out what the mind or will of God was, right? 
And um, I mean, that was so prevalent. And I don't think if I would have just dove in and studied lecture six without context of the other lectures, I don't think I would have like understood that or got it or anything. But um, but uh, whereas lecture six is all about will, there it has so many occurrences in there. It, it just caused me to to pause and think how it relates to to lecture fifth. And um, let me pull that up. Sorry, I thought I was screen sharing. <laughs> um, so I went through and highlighted all the instances of the will of God, because there are a couple where it's talking about the will of man versus the will of God. But um, anyway, there's uh, nine different phrases for the, the will of God here. And I, I just posed that out to consider. Is it helping us understand what is said here when the same mind with the Father, which mind is the Holy Spirit, same mind, mind, spirit, and knowledge. And here in lecture six, we're talking about, we're going to now study about the knowledge which a person must have that the course of life which they are pursuing is according to the will of God. Or if we are able to substitute that in, according to the spirit of God or the mind of God or the Holy Ghost. Um, there's there's a lot to be said for, for substitutions and, and word associations here, I think. But anyway, I I don't know. I, I'm loving lecture sixth um, in, in that sense that all of the lectures seem to be building upon each other and, and heavily um, referencing the ones preceding it. Um, so I want to go back to lecture third for just a second. So lecture third is where it introduces um, this idea that there are three things necessary in order to develop faith in God. Mm -hmm. It says, let us here observe that three things are necessary in order that any rational and intelligent being may exercise faith in God unto life and salvation. First, the idea that he actually exists. And so here's the pop quiz time. <laughs> Where, which lecture talks about this? The idea that he actually exists. Because we have to know that there's a God to even approach. And how do we know that there is a God? In lecture second, we we find out that that is because of human testimony and human testimony only from Adam all the way down to, through the patriarchs and uh, everything that we find out that God is unknowable or the, the fact that there is a God is not obtainable except through human testimony. We have to get that from somewhere. Um, the idea that he actually exists. And then secondly, we have to have a correct idea of his character, perfections, and attributes in order to have faith, exercise faith in him. So lecture third is all about his character. <clears throat> lecture fourth is all about his attributes. And lecture fifth is all about his perfections. And then what we're studying tonight, lecture sixth, is, is this whole point right here. An actual knowledge that the course of life which he is pursuing is according to his will.
and then the the rest of this comes in, in lecture seven but um i don't know it's just hitting me like a ton of bricks how beautifully orchestrated and put together these lectures are in order to help us exercise faith not just have faith because it's fun to have it but to actually exercise it unto life and salvation um i don't know it's just powerful to me tonight <laughs> can't even express it um, so uh l has listed in the chat uh, different synonyms for will and look at those the, the all those things that we've been studying there interesting well, actually, for the recording, I'm, I'm going to actually read through those so that uh, if anybody's just listening, that we can do this. So, uh, um, so compare the synonyms attitude, character, decision, desire, determination, discipline, feeling, inclination, intention, mind, passion, and power, resolve, resolution, wish, aim, appetite, conviction, craving, decisiveness. Decree, design, uh, discretion, disposition, fancy, hankering, liking, longing, option, pining, pleasure, preference, prerogative, purpose, self-control, self-discipline, self-restraint, temperament, urge, <laughs> validity, I, I don't know what that word is, volition, willfulness, willpower, wishes, yearning, and heart's desire. That is quite a list of synonyms. I mean, usually when you're looking up synonyms, there's like four or five, right? But <laughs> here, uh, will being a personal choice and have all of those different synonyms. I love that. Interesting that agency isn't on there though. <laughs> right? Yeah, I, I was just kind of thinking that same thing. Did I read agency? But, but yeah. yeah. But agency is our personal choice. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's all about our choices. It's about what we so choose cool. to do or not do. It has everything to do with all the decisions that we make. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. I love it. I thought what it was pretty fascinating. I, I did that a couple of years ago to try to understand will because we, we talk about and we don't know what it means. What does our will mean? And I thought that gave a perfect definition. It's everything yeah. we want, desire, wish for, think about everything. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I yeah. love that and how you describe that. It's everything that, that we want and long for and all that. And then lecture six comes in and says, put it all on the altar mm -hmm. <laughs> in order yeah. to, to receive God's will kind of a thing. I, I love that. Yeah, I was just coming across the scripture today. It says to be double-minded is, what is it? To be double-minded is something contrary to, you just can't, you have to focus, have one focus, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, I love that. Um, um, sorry. Uh, sorry about that. And I lead a, a group for mental health. And one of the things I have is will to effort. And like, you will get, you will get well according to the effort you'll put into getting better. Mm, yeah. I think this is the same thing, will to effort, how well you want to get to know God. It's the will to effort. How, 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 what do you want to pay for it? And then it talks about sacrifice later. So that like the will to effort go together. How, what do you want to get out of it? And what, what are you willing to bear for it? Mm -hmm. I absolutely love that. Where, um, <coughs> what was it? The, which verse? Um, 
So is it a, a church that does not, or a religion that does yeah. not require that sacrifice of all things? Mm -hmm. I mean, you just have to. Yep. Last talk from last conference, our heartfelt all mm -hmm. about the widow's might and giving, giving all that conviction of just giving it. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. Yep. And we and we talked about Christ heals that which is broken this week. We did that one last week. Somebody said to be healed or to be, you know, if you have an addiction or of any kind, you have to be willing. If you're not willing to be healed, you can't be healed. So it it all starts with that. Yep. I thought I thought number four was interesting. Look how long it is. It's all one sentence. <laughs> and the whole thing. I was reading it, trying to make sense. I'm like, this is all one sentence. <laughs> so long as it's in my life. <laughs> I love it. And I love at the end of the, the whole lecture, right? It says, these are so basic, just commit them to memory. You know, just commit that whole <laughs> verse four sentence to memory. That's no, no big deal, right? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> If you really go through and circle all the wills, though, it is full of will. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and obtaining God's will. Um, because in the, the prior lecture, um, we talked about how Christ and, and God the Father are different. We had to unpack them. We, we studied out their characteristics side by side, but yet they're different. And then we... In the second part, we, we put them back together in their perfections with the, the Holy Spirit, the, the mind, and um, learned that it is in the power of man to become perfect. And in that perfection, we can be one or have the same mind as the Father. And, and that same mind is his same will. And the way that we get that will, it's basically like lecture five was teaching us what needs to be done. And lecture sixth is the how, and, and it's all through that sacrifice. Um, and just reiterating, you're doing this to obtain the, the will of the Father. Ask you about that. Uh-huh, yeah, for sure. Uh, Abraham said, so I'm, I'm just trying to figure out all this out. <laughs> so he said that um, he doesn't know about anyone in the church that has reached the seraph level yet. and what regarding all of that what do you think the that we can that we can have perfection in this life what do you think that means and i'm just because i'm still searching <laughs> we had a really interesting discussion on saturday with the isaiah decoded uh, group and mm -hmm. it kind of changed my mind as far as that perfection that's required it seems like it does start on that sun servant level rather than the seraphim level and yep. that the, the be ye perfect admonition or commandment yeah. um, does enter in there and the perfection that is um is there is is really found in the words of the endowment um uh, within the the law of chastity and and consecration uh it's very interesting i hadn't pulled that together yet but um <laughs> it's amazing how the lord is like pulling all of these similar things and just like yeah. 
packing them into the same week. But by the end of last week, I finally understood what was what the Lord was trying to whisper to me last Sunday. <laughs> but it took me a whole week of lots of different <laughs> side studies to, to get there. And like Cameron, Cameron, listen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like Kathy was there for, for Wednesday's discussion. I mean, we went in, in some different territories there with uh, lecture fifth as well. And, and it took all of that to, to bring it all home and uh, kind of give this, uh, I, I don't know, more fuller, richer understanding of it and, and helped unlock it uh, deeper for me. But, but yes, back to your question that um, the perfection, like I said last Sunday that I was like, I think it's seraphim level. I mean, that's perfection, right? Mm -hmm. But yet I, I totally have, have done a 180. I think that it really does start on the sun servant level and it's being perfect in things rather than an all around perfection. Um, be perfect in this and, and don't waver from it anymore. Like get perfect and, and start, going throughout all of your life because on the the zion jerusalem level we are doing tests of loyalty and getting rid of babylon right we're we're sloughing all of that off but then on the sun servant level it's like pick one area of your life and get it perfected and and quit messing around like don't waver anymore in that one thing mm -hmm. and then take another thing and become perfect in it and then become perfect in this and then seraphim level i mean we're we're talking about a more well-rounded perfection but um i i think that the be perfect is an admonition for the sun servant level rather than only the the seraphim so how do you thank you for that how do you members of our church are so famous for perfecting themselves and so uh how do you not fall into that that trap <laughs> yeah that perfectionism it, it's a little bit <laughs> um i don't know i i would say just firmly lecture six like sacrifice everything for a man to give everything what is that? let's see that first for a man to lay down his all uh-huh sorry there's always something more to give mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> yeah. so like verse five sounds a lot like leaving the zion jerusalem category to me for a man to lay down his all his character his reputation because a lot of times what in the church we're perfecting ourselves so that we can gain character and reputation right but here we, we have to lay it down, his honor, his applause, his good name among men, his houses, his lands, his brothers and sisters, wife and children, and even his own life also. I think that toxic perfectionism is something that in itself needs to be given up um, in order to actually become perfect and perfectly humble and, um, and pure in that. I don't know. That's a great question, though. Hey, Cameron, can, for my friends who are on here who didn't do Isaiah Decoded, can you post the levels on the ladder? Because I think that they might not be understanding what you're talking about. <laughs> I kind of forget uh, where we're at and stuff. So um, and I, for, I even forget, like, I don't have it memorized like you do. So when you talk about it, I was like, now what, which one's which? I have to go get my Isaiah Decoded book to remember it. Oh, it's not letting me like type it all in on like 
anyway, so you're going to get it in lots of little chats here. So Jehovah is the very top of the level. There's things that he did that no one else can do. Just underneath him are the seraphim. Seraphim. And they are translated ones, but there's lots of different versions or variations within the seraphim. Then there are the son slash servants, which also, I mean, that's an abbreviated term. So there's sons and daughters, and there's servants and handmaidens that Isaiah points out here. And those are the first level on the ladder that are understanding and developing the use of proxy salvation, that it's more than just taking a name to the temple and getting their work done, getting their ordinances. It's actually saving our children who have wandered, that there's um, the Hezekiah story and, and different things where we're, we're saving people and performing sacrifices on behalf of others to just help them in little aspects of their life. Uh, whereas Jehovah, I mean, he's performing the ultimate sacrifice, but he allows us to take part in that, in our family structures, in our community structures. So there's that son servant level. What then, was seraphim? Remind me what seraphim was. Uh -huh, so seraphim is um, kind of like the, the translated state, whether on this side of the veil or the other side of the veil. Um, but we have anybody who achieves the full out zion like city of enoch um that's that's a seraphim level where um it's it's being perfected and having hearts knit together in unity and having the abilities the sealing power um all of that is is located there on that seraphim level the hundred four thousand will be seraphim so do you think the prophet's still son servant he's not seraphim that's a good question <laughs> my personal opinion i, I want that, but no you're braver than i am kathy you're <laughs> so no, much I, braver. i'm just vulnerable to look dumb i'm just used to looking dumb so it's okay oh not at all so one thing to note on all of these levels it's not like a like a high school graduation where you move the tassel and now you're yeah, formally exactly. on there. Like there's, there's transitions and, and fluctuations through all of this. Um, because as Isaiah describes it throughout all of his literature here, that there are decent phases, times of testing, times of Abrahamic tests, where in order to ascend to the next level, you have got to go through varying degrees of of testing and trying and, and hell in order to rise higher there's no way to just jump from this point to this point you have to have descent phases in order to to go there and so i don't necessarily know if there, there are certain characteristics of president nelson that are firmly planted on the seraphim level like 100 percent. but at the same time i think that he is still transitioning and learning and, and growing in that but um everyone from sun servant on up are seeing and interacting with god and so um okay yeah but we can actually kind of visibly see the transition because we can see his body renewing yeah and so he's somewhere there That's what uh, I think. working on it mm -hmm. yeah yeah, and then we have the Zion Jerusalem category. So this is, I don't know, an oversimplified way to explain this without going into all of Isaiah. 
is basically if you've entered into temple covenants, you're on the Zion Jerusalem level, um, whether or not you realize there's more to to be had in the gospel, but um, on the Zion Jerusalem level, the the test of life now is to to rid yourself of all ungodliness and everything that the world provides that that the Lord just needs you to get rid of so that you can fully um, come unto him. So that's on the, the Zion Jerusalem level. And um, under that is the Jacob slash Israel level, where that's where everybody is basically born. Um, uh, you're on this level and you're figuring things out and baptism is required in order to ascend from here. Um, but it, it all comes with a choice. Do you want to follow the Lord or do you want to follow um, the adversary? If you want to take the easy route and, and go that way, um, you can always descend to the Babylon category, which is just under Jacob Israel, and, you know, eat, drink, and be merry. So Jacob Israel is kind of like the, the starting out place, and we all just ascend or descend from there based upon our actions, kind of like we're talking about here with lecture six with the, the will. And do you, what do you want? It's all about agency. God's never going to force the issue. So do you want to ascend and uh, get more covenants, make more covenants with God and therefore receive more power and more faith? Or do you want to eat, drink, and be merry and, and have a, a life of seeming easiness uh, kind of a thing? And then if you choose to... Worldly. Mm -hmm. it, it, oh, Babylon kind of refers to worldly stuff. Yeah, and Babylon is always persecuting those that try to to love god in any way shape or form whether it's on very low levels or very high levels babylon is actively trying to hurt and, and damage um, people following deity um, and so from babylon there is one more step to to fall if you choose which is perdition category and so that's where we have sons of perdition um, as as people really fall um, from grace that um, anyway so that's kind of the the levels of the ladder from jehovah clear down to to satan and the, the wicked of the wicked thank you so much for doing that cameron yeah for sure because <laughs> honestly that was new to me when did we study isaiah dakota the very first well i think you'd already studied it before we started it it's probably like a year ago now right that we anyway. more than probably more yeah than it was right after we did a Abraham book, so maybe March or something, about, about March of 2021. Mm -hmm. But that was the first time that I had ever understood anything of the, the ladder to heaven or these levels or anything, and I was just like, I don't know, I'm... I, I, it was like when I was ex describing the, the Mishnah and the Talmud or whatever, I, it was over my head, I'm like, I don't get it. But going through the book Isaiah Decoded, and just picking up little things here and there it was just like now that ladder makes sense of everything in the gospel once you can get those seven levels memorized and just kind of start figuring out what the people on each of those levels do how they act what they need to do in order to ascend and, and stuff everything in the gospel starts making sense and starts clearing up and like oh okay i i have a framework for everything now like i i think those seven levels should be taught easy like 
in sunbeams, right? Like we need to be <laughs> introducing our sunbeams to Isaiah. <laughs> it's hard to teach a lesson without kind of wanting to slip it in there, but it's like, oh, I can't do that. Mm -hmm. Cameron, back to that law of perfection, like it wasn't till last week that I learned that that was a law. I didn't even know mm -hmm. it. Yeah, but anyway, what you sent me yesterday, I was wondering if you could refer to that, it, where President Nelson in one of his talks is oh. talking about that very thing. Do you know where what I'm talking about? Yeah, let me find it real quick. But you uh, sent it to me in a text yesterday, so you could refer to that maybe quickly. <laughs> yeah, it was interesting. So Book of Nelson, Volume 1. Um, so, I mean, this is early. This is uh, in the 80s that he's given this talk. Um, but it's at BYU. And this is just a screenshot, so I can't like scroll on it and show you the title. I forget which one it is. Anyway, it's First Nelson, Chapter 4. Um, but anyway, he's talking about the law of perfection. He says, the Lord said, be ye therefore perfect, even as your father, which is in heaven, is perfect. It is only as we strive for and achieve perfection that we can master the law and control the consequences. Knowing and living the truth brings us freedom from the bondage that disobedience to law brings. So to each of you, in whatever field or kingdom you may choose, learn the law. Once you know the law, apply it and then be consistent. Don't be inconsistent. There are those who pray for safety during the day and then drive recklessly and lawlessly. There are those who pray for health and then disregard the laws governing good health. Those are, there are those who profess reverence for life and at the same time argue for abortion and euthanasia. Consistency comes from self-discipline in recognizing and revering divine law. Divine law tells us to prepare for that which is yet to come. I found that quote just amazing on the hills of looking at the law of perfection as contained in lecture five and in the Sermon on the Mount. Oh my goodness, guys. Study Matthew 5, Sermon on the Mount. It with with kind of that law of perfection and um sorry <laughs> i'm giving you like this this massive homework assignment but it'll if you want to go down that rabbit hole it's an awesome one and look at it with what with what eyes i didn't hear what... um well i'm trying to say isaiah decoded but then my brain cut out mid-sentence <laughs> just like i'm finding the pages in isaiah decoded <laughs> I know the feeling, <laughs> but my problem is menopause. I don't know what your problem is. <laughs> well, I, I'm hot and cold. I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's menopause for me too. <laughs> <laughs> Women hit it about 50. I hit it about 30. <laughs> All right. So um, Isaiah decoded. Oh, let's see. Oh, it's page um, 294 through 297, six and seven, I, it's kind of in there. Um, let me type that in the chat so I don't forget it. Isaiah decoded pages, and this is in the physical copy of the book. If you're in the ebook, it's gonna be different pages. Pages 290, what did I say? Four. 294 to 297. 297. 
Okay, so Isaiah decoded pages 294 through 297. Study it with Matthew 5. Sermon on the Mount. Specifically looking for the prerequisites of perfection. Like that one came together for me on Saturday, like in such a cool way. Oh my goodness. So we've been studying perfection as it relates to um, the law of God in lecture five. So also study lecture five with that whole thing there. And then I come across Isaiah decoded and then it's leading me to, to Matthew five. And um, it, that's a powerhouse study on, on perfection and the law of God. Sorry, I feel like I've went and taken us down some crazy tangents tonight. Sorry if you're having trouble following my brain. It's a wild one tonight. <laughs> yeah, Leslie, what you got? Mm, um, I had to raise my hand so I wouldn't chicken out. Um, <laughs> you're when so you nervous around us? What? Yeah, why are you nervous? Because <laughs> it's like when you don't want to go bear your testimony and then you need but you need to, and you won't stop doing like you're going to throw up until you do it. So that's where I'm at. I love that. Toward the end, it talks about um, that, that we won't be able to contend against all the, op the opposition and the afflictions and all of that if we don't have this knowledge because we won't have the faith to be able to endure that. What that's, you know bad paraphrase but um i've got some of that in my family and this has to do with generational healing and i'm gonna go in the closet <laughs> <laughs> you know these walls <laughs> this is my last sunday here so i will be somewhere else without my son okay i'm here <laughs> and so um, I've been, the, the perfection and all of this has just been rolling around in my head this week along with this week's and, um, and, and what I just shared about how we won't be able to overcome. And I thought, uh, you know, Heavenly Father, what do you want me to do? And he showed me and he showed me in a way that I didn't love, but it's always very effective when he does it that way. Mm -hmm. um, so I, so my son that lives with me, um, he's 30 and quite sassy. Um, he went up with me, went and visited my youngest daughter, who's equally sassy. And I don't know where they get it from. <laughs> so so we stay, I stayed there for two days and it's always, they're like a pack of dogs. You know how dogs act differently when there's more than, or they can, when there's more than one of them. Well, that's what happens. And so I was um, praying to get lots of help. <laughs> anyway, um, long story, story short is they, they just kind of, well, what I was told on the drive up is that they 
that Satan is, um, is that uh, being accusers is running rampant in our family. And it's running rampant in the whole world, not just our family, but that that is the problem. And so, you know, I get accused of not, it doesn't matter what it is, but it's, that's always something. And then internally, internally, I accuse them of accusing me. So I'm still doing the same thing, only um, I feel like I'm justified, which I'm not. And so, um, so I said, Heavenly Father, what do you want me to do? And he said, I want you not be bothered by what you see or what you hear. And I'd gotten that counsel before too. And it was a good reminder. And he said, I need you to absorb this and and it, it, the list that you read about the um, um, you know not it, they didn't say humiliated but whatever you know to to take what was it help me out here the so in lectures or from President Nelson's thing no just now uh, in this lecture it was about. Um, like you're giving up your honor and your good name and all of those things. And, and, um, it's like not minding being tromped on. And so as my, my role here was to, um, gather up all the accurate, the, the, the power of accusation that, that the accuser of us all has, um, someone in their hearts and so I I don't know really how to describe it but I just sat there and I um, became a compassionate observer as best I could and then um, I just prayed and asked for it to go to Christ and I pictured um, all of us being in the baptismal font and going down in the water and separating that dark darkness from the light and us being filled with Christ's light as we come up out of the water and every time that and asking for God's power to do this that would be washed clean and washed clean and so every time they said something or did they usually said something or just gave a look or what usually it's like a look to each other like um it transformed, it transformed things and um, wasn't perfect. No one, and I didn't do it perfectly, but there is power in doing that. And I realized that it was a sacrifice to do that because our natural man is way more adept at responding not adept in a good way, but, but uh, adept at responding to um, things that seem um, harmful to us than it is for us to push that override button and trust Christ. But um, my knowledge in in His power grew, uh, and then in, at that during that whole experience, and um, I don't know if they could tell that they felt any better or any different. They were behaving better and being more kind, but that is the sort of um, perfection that I, the, the Lord, 
was telling me that's what I want you to work on because it wasn't just the three of us in that room um it was it extended to my ancestors also and um I can't even tell you how I know it I just could I could feel it and I thought wow this is so cool and it's so much more worth my time than just than anything else that I could be doing and uh I'm sure I left out important parts, but mm-hmm. I'm in a closet and I can't remember. So, but yeah, I, I love that. And, and how that, I mean, there's a, a higher law to things, you know, it's not, <laughs> don't go to bed mad, stay up and fight kind of a thing, but it's like, no, just turn the other cheek. Like let's, let's, let's move on from this because if we're just getting down and dirty, it, it's just throwing mud around and it's not accomplishing anything. So I love that example there of actually, coming out of that and and receiving help uh revelation to okay break this cycle in your in yourself and it'll help ripple out and and heal things it's it's a real thing and if we're willing to sacrifice Mm -hmm. yeah for sure well thank you yeah thank you um so janet in the chat I think she's just nailing what uh, lecture six is really about. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. So I got the feeling from reading this lecture that in order to enter into eternal life, we would have to have a second comforter experience, which is so interesting as it's going through here. Um, Let's let's tackle a couple of those verses that uh, really do that. Sorry to keep everybody long, but... um, (laughs) <laughs> I took everybody on so many wild tangents that we kind of got it. Sorry. Um, all right. So uh, the verse one. So having treated previous lectures, we're now going to start unpacking our part of this. Now that we know who God is, what he's like, um, what we must have is a knowledge that the course of life, which we are pursuing is according to the will of God. Um, in order for him to actually exercise faith. This knowledge supplies an important place in seeing him who is invisible. Um, the ancients were able to do that on this side of the veil. And, and it keeps talking about all of these things as if they're possible right now without waiting until we're dead to, to do things. And without which no person can obtain eternal life. We have to have our calling election made sure in order to obtain eternal life. And it is possible on this side of the veil, not only on after we pass. Um, let's see. Which other verse was it that really laid that out well? So we do this. We gain our calling election made sure by verses four, five, and six. Um, we have to lay down our all and offer our lives as a living sacrifice. And unless a person is walking according to the will of God, it would be an insult to the dignity of the creator were he to say that he would be a partaker of his glory when he should be done with all the things of this life. So that's a, a pretty stinging rebuke, verse six there, of procrastinating the day of our repentance or procrastinating the day of getting our calling and election made sure if it's offered to us in this life. I think that that's, that's huge. Uh, verse six there in that, that 
power. Um, uh, verse 7, again, talks about that it's through the medium of sacrifice of all earthly things that we <laughs> seek his face and endure this sacrifice that we are called upon to go through, that we not seek his face in vain. Um, so that's kind of the formula right there in 7 in for seven. getting your calling, receiving your calling election, sure. Yeah, yeah. So I would extend it. So from four to seven, I mean, all of lecture six is, is kind of it, but it really narrows in on, on four to seven. I haven't done like the chiastic structure study that I want to do on, on lecture six, but uh, I'm sure that it would probably point to that same thing. But yeah, seven is, is crucial in that. And I find it so interesting that we're talking about the law of sacrifice in ever greater degrees throughout all of this. And then we're going to the ultimate sacrifice, the, the, the sacrifice of a martyr. It was in offering sacrifices that Abel, the first martyr, obtained knowledge that he was accepted of God. And I don't know, like, as soon as I read that sentence, I, I was almost able to, like, kind of picture it in my mind. Uh, uh, parts of the story that I did not know that I didn't understand. But that Abel, before being martyred, he obtained a knowledge that he was accepted of God. He offered righteous sacrifices and Cain was also under the same knowledge, but he chose to go against it. He chose to not offer the right sacrifice at the right time and in the right way at the right time of year. Abel was offering a perfect sacrifice in order to obtain knowledge. And he went like a lamb to the slaughter, just like um, any other martyr does um and then from the days of righteous able to the present time the knowledge that men have that they are accepted in the sight of god is obtained by offering sacrifice and um abraham learned it isaac learned it all of our patriarchal fathers learned it and it's all from offering up sacrifice uh, president nelson has said the days of abrahamic test has not ended we will like expect them because in order to obtain this obtain actual knowledge that the course of life which you're living is according to his will you can't do it without that sacrifice it has to be that way that's that's the whole pattern i think that's so sound, oh excuse me go for it it, yeah. it sounds like from that there what we're reading it sounds like abel got got his calling and election made sure and he was visited by the lord he mm -hmm. uh before he was smarter in fact um where was we reading or like anyway at that point he knew he was going to be martyred and he was fine with it he accepted it yeah he had an actual knowledge that 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 was what the Lord required. And um, as the, the Lord is speaking to Cain, and he says, your brother's blood cries to me from the dust. What did you do? Like, I mean, that that's some powerful um, testimony and, and things right there, because we learn a lot about the blood um, through lecture five and six. Um, it's kind of like the, the underlying theme of it there. So with the sacrifice, is it just personal, like a personal sacrifice, 
one after another personal sacrifice that Heavenly Father gives you individually as your day to day or week to week or month to month? Is it individual? Uh -huh, yeah, I, I do think that it's individual, but yet there's an element of collective to it as well. But um, answered there in verse five, for a man to lay down his all, his character, reputation, honor, applause. Like, I think that that's kind of the, um, I don't know, the full explanation. Like, there's nothing that is had in this life that isn't required to be sacrificed. Let us here observe in verse seven that a religion that does not require the sacrifice of all things and, um, where does it say, without a sacrifice of all earthly things like it's just overcoming the natural man and actually sacrificing everything that we think we want it's it's literally our will like el was saying earlier right our will needs to be put on the altar everything that we think we want and actually accept god's will or his spirit which is more of a communal sacrifice sacrificing for others and turning all of that into a whole new oh it's like this is the money i have heavenly father it's yours what do you want me to do with it mm -hmm. and yeah, a lot of consecration there there how do you want me to how do you act in my job and this is what you've given me what do you want me to do with it basically i mean on the lower level because right now i'm not being asked to lay down my life right mm -hmm. i'm not yeah do all these things right now but that's like the steps towards that right till you're mm -hmm. at those things yeah and, as, and in the temple we do we do make sacrifices right we do make covenants and sacrifices mm -hmm. yeah exactly i'm just trying to put this down on my level <laughs> well, no, no. yeah i i think that a, a law of consecration is a a great way to like help describe that of like wherever you're at start consecrating it and and turning yeah. your will over in every single degree and eventually greater and greater things will be revealed to you like hey now i need you to consecrate this now i need you to sacrifice this and and it culminates eventually it's kind of funny because a few years ago before we started studying any of this one of my it was actually my boss at one of my jobs she was an LDS and I think she's a very spiritual person, but I have never had a real spiritual, a lot of spiritual conversation with her, but she asked me one day, how do I become more spiritual? Like out of the blue, like we are folding, like, like I was like, and you know what I told her, I think, I think it, it must've been the Holy Ghost that told me because it, I just said, start sacrificing, ask Kelly Father what he wants you to sacrifice and start giving things up, things that you're, that are comfortable. And I walked away and I thought, I don't even know if that was right. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it is right, huh? Uh-huh, yeah. And especially what she needed at, at that time, yeah. I don't know. It's just off the cuff. But now I'm reading that, I'm like, I think that is right. Yeah, <laughs> some wise words. <laughs> not really <laughs> yeah i love it yeah l and then mom 
Well, what you were saying about, you know, putting our will on the altar just reminded me something from this book that I've never made it all the way through because it's just so interesting. It's called Understanding the Divine. And she's just talking about desire and how our desires or our will can become clean and become like God, um, you know, align ourselves at one with God. And she was saying, I'm trying to remember because I can't find it exactly, but, you know, we all have wants and desires for whatever you know, because a lot of us like books and stuff, but she said, if we pray about it and talk to God about what we want and it gets confirmed and we're going to use it for our, not just our benefit, but for other people's benefit, then that's consecrating your desires, not just because you want it for your selfish reasons. Mm-hmm. So it benefits others. It's to build the kingdom of God. Our wants should be toward building the kingdom of God, whether we want material things or whatever. It's and I thought that's just it's how we perceive what we want, not as selfish, but how we can use it to help others. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. You know, there's there's many people that that talk about like second comforter, calling election, all those kind of things. They're like they just they want it so bad, but it's like, but why? do you want it for yourself or do you actually want to build up the kingdom? Because like, you know, going right along with what you said, why do you want the things that you want and really analyzing um, like uh, what was it? Verse five, um, your character. Why do you want character? Why do you want reputation? Why do you want honor, applause, et cetera? Is it to build up the kingdom or is it for selfish reasons? And so just honing in on the, the will there. Yeah, it's not to bring glory to ourselves, it's to bring glory to God. You know, and we don't talk like that. A lot of born-again Christians do, but mm-hmm. it's like we have to we have to be willing to sacrifice what we want for the better for all. Yeah. So yeah, I love that, which is so rare in our world today, isn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> we suffer a lot from that. Well, that's why I think we the prophet started ministering so we can learn mm-hmm. to sacrifice for others, but People just, some people get it and some people just don't. <laughs> mm-hmm. They say, oh, it's no different than visiting, teaching and home teaching. But it's, it's, yeah, he said it was a higher and holier way. So, yeah. but some people get it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, unfortunate. Yeah, mother. Well, I was just thinking on the sacrifice thing. We do uh, sacrifices at different levels differently. But it's on the, going back to the uh, Isaiah's ladder, it's on the son-servant level where we learn and do um, Davidic covenants where we sacrifice things uh, so that we can help our family. We can cleanse our the iniquities out of our uh generational lines and stuff anyway um i think a lot of this is talking about that level of the sacrificing mm-hmm. yeah it's very interesting like i don't know if i would come to understand lecture sixth without an understanding of isaiah's basic structures uh-huh. like I, I, it's just amazing how the lord has led me here and what kind of like I tend to think of things 
like I did back in college, right? Where, okay, here's your semester. These are all the things I need you to learn, but you have to have these prerequisites and these prerequisites. And the things that you're taking now are prerequisites for future semesters. And it, it all just builds until you can actually have a, a more rounded, complete knowledge of, of everything. But there's so many little baby steps here and there on all these different things. But Isaiah and his his structure of approaching God is so foundational. Abraham and Isaiah, I think that in President Nelson, like those three were a powerhouse to, to really study as far as the pattern of things and how to approach God. And it's been an amazing journey. And the Savior himself told us to, to study the words of Isaiah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he gets it. <laughs> yeah because <laughs> you know everything is attributed to a, a, a patriarch or a prophet right i mean we have the melchizedek priesthood we have um the city of of enoch uh, but approaching god is, is is isaiah's thing and and christ commands us to to study him for true are the words of isaiah and the end time prophecy that that he has there i mean there's a, a reason that that's his thing yeah, it's been fun. <laughs> um, anyway, anything else with, with lecture six that you want to bring up and talk about? If not, we'll close out. We have two more weeks on, on lectures. Lecture seventh next week, which is an amazing uh, one to kind of finish out on. Um, uh, and then we'll, we'll talk about final week on why the, the lectures were decanonized and uh, what that means for us today and, and how to navigate that, that whole thing. But anyway, yeah, any and other then, questions? Yeah, the question. So you kind of brought it up, but then you didn't expand on it. <laughs> Avraham on Saturday talked about there is no one that has been translated, but then we have that other book that we're studying and that sister white lady that said that there's like cities that translated people. Mm -hmm. yeah it, it's a good question um you know who am i to like say what but um there's what did he say it was something pretty specific i want to find like, his actual quote what he said but um as far as he knows no one in the church has attained the seraphim level um yet or or something like that translated too. Mm -hmm. and so you know i wonder if because like those early saints uh, pioneers, we studied their their patriarchal blessings, and many of them were were promised the to be translated, and um, that there's a lot of I think that there's a lot more translation that's happening than than we actually know about. But uh, I don't know. It, at the same time, in uh, <clears throat> Avraham's treaty on uh, visions, dreams, near death experiences, and stuff, it would seem that some of these um, dreams and visions are showing um, the, the gift and power of translation. And, and I wonder how that, that figures into to his quote or his comments on, on Tuesday. So I don't know, it'd be so interesting to just have one Q&A that that's all we talked about was just like unpacking everything that he meant by that. <laughs> so here's a, another question that just like left my head. Hold on a second, let me get it back. <laughs> Oh, shoot. I hate it when that happens. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
It was on this whole subject. Mm -hmm. All right, it's gone. I don't know. Sorry. Oh, no, you're good. <laughs> if it ever comes back, we'll. It seems like with this translation, it, there's kind of needs to be a purpose behind it, you know, just mm -hmm. don't get translated, just so you be translated. But here in uh, before the Christ's second coming, there's going to be a lot, the 144,000, however many that constitutes, they're all going to need to be translated. Uh, in order to perform their works, you know, quickly before Christ comes and stuff. So I think you'll see a lot more of it in coming days. You that know? makes me, out of everything anybody's ever said, that makes the most sense to me. <laughs> because I've always wondered, like, who will be there? But that makes sense to me. And in 10, number 10, I like the part, it's cut and dry. But those who do not make the sacrifice cannot enjoy this faith because men are dependent upon this sacrifice in order to obtain this faith. Therefore, they cannot lay hold upon eternal life because the revelations of God do not guarantee unto them the authority to do so. And without this guarantee, faith could not exist. Like, I love the cut and dry. And mm -hmm. darling, that, what you just said, made the most sense about the 144 that I've ever heard. I've never had it. I've never had it ring clear to me until now. That makes sense because they did the homework. They did the sacrifice. The other people won't be ready because they didn't. They didn't do the sacrifice, right? Mm -hmm. They didn't do the work. The five virgins that were ready. Mm -hmm. So I think that it's interesting there that Psalms reference that's in first uh, nine. Um, so it says, "Our God shall come." and shall not keep silence. A fire shall devour before him, and it shall be very tempestuous round about him. He shall call to the heavens from above and to the earth, that he may judge his people. Gather my saints together unto me, those that have made a covenant unto me by sacrifice. Yep. That makes a lot of sense. I love it. Um, so yeah, uh, next week we'll, we'll tackle lecture sixth and, um, after that, the decanonization topic, and then we'll start heading into <laughs> our topical guide study. Um, that one's going to be a, uh, interesting one. Hopefully everybody's excited. <laughs> Getting their I have one more in. question. How much did your books end up costing you? Your scripture uh -huh. Oh, like my, the, the actual scriptures, not the workbook thing. Write the scriptures that you held up that you ready. They're kind of expensive. <laughs> are those the pricey ones or are those like the? Yeah, these are the more expensive ones. Um, I never ready. You don't have to tell me. Okay. Let's see. I'm just pulling up my receipt here. I got it handy. Um, so there was like this deal where I could get thirty percent off my entire order. So it ended up being, um, about that two, three, three. So just over 80 bucks. So you're planning on marking that just for our new study, like keeping those separate. Yeah, these are my Jesus Christ scriptures. That's the only thing that I'm doing. So one thing to note, um, let, sorry, let me pull it up real quick. Uh, 
they, they lay flat. They're really cool. They, they can, lay you, can you send a link to that? Okay, so I'm just like, I have a quad and I don't want to use the quad. I'm like, the quad drives me crazy. <laughs> Just send me the link for that if you, if you can. So, I mean, they're kind of hefty. I totally want to do this. Like, I, I want to do this right. I want to, I want to get this. So, yeah. So, the, all four of them in the, I guess, faux leather bound, whatever, um, but they're separate. The one, the one thing that I don't like about them is that they don't have the topical guide or the Bible dictionary. <laughs> but that's um, okay because you're not using them for that. Yeah, exactly. Um, the Book of Mormon does have its index in the back, but the Old Testament and New Testament doesn't have the Bible guide or, did I say that right? Bible dictionary or the topical guide. But um, anyway. Bible guide, why not? <laughs> Yep. So let me share you an important quote from President Nelson when he issued that challenge, because I found this very interesting. And um, how do you do this so fast? Oh, my head. Well, I already had it kind of pulled up, ready to go if I ever needed to quote it. You see all my tabs across the top? <laughs> that's yeah. all of the things that I was like, uh, just in case somebody asks, that's what I need to pull up there. Um, let's see. Okay. Yeah. So he says, I have an invitation for you that will help. It's an assignment, actually, if you choose to accept it. Commence tonight to consecrate a portion of your time each week to studying every... Okay, so there's four different things that are his assignment. Everything Jesus said and did as recorded in the Old Testament. So the Old Testament... Assignment is different than the New Testament and is different from the Book of Mormon, etc. So everything he said and did as recorded in the Old Testament. And this is the blessing of doing that study. For he is the Jehovah of the Old Testament, and you'll gain a testimony of that. Study his laws as recorded in the New Testament. And the blessing, you'll understand that he is the Christ. Study his doctrine as recorded in the Book of Mormon. For there is no book of scripture in which his mission and ministry are more clearly revealed. And study his words as recorded in the Doctrine and Covenants, for he continues to teach his people in this dispensation. So here, here's the kicker, right? This may seem like a large assignment, but I encourage you to accept it. If you proceed to learn all you can about Jesus Christ, so if you choose to understand him as Jehovah, as the Christ, uh, his mission and ministry, his words, and how he continues to teach. Um, I promise that your love for him and for God's laws will grow beyond what you currently imagine. I mean, you can't even imagine the full extent of the love and laws that, that he has for us. I promise you also that your ability to turn away from sin will increase. Your desire to keep the commandments will soar. You will, this is the huge one, you will find yourself better able to fulfill lecture sixth, walk away from all the entertainment and entanglements of those who mock the followers of Jesus Christ. And then, as kind of a side note, to assist you, refer to the topical guide for references under the topic Jesus Christ. So, 
we often say that, oh, it was the assignment is to go through the topical guide for Jesus Christ. That, that'll help you, but the study is really this. I don't know if that makes sense, but in the book, um, Learn of Me, did she break it down like that? Is it is that how she? No, that workbook is just the topical guide study. And so it goes through and instead of uh, just giving you the references like the topical guide does, she actually copies and pastes all of the, the scriptures that are referenced in the topical guide so that you can just read them through and compare and contrast. And then she pulls in prophetic quotes and, and things like that to go in with it. So, for example, as I've been going through this study, um, I'm going through and marking all of the things that I, I'm currently in Isaiah. I'm just going to go in along with Come Follow Me. Uh, and I'm going through and everything that he said and did, I highlight in a color. And then I go through the topical guide and look through for anything that he said and did in Isaiah in the topical guide and highlight it in that color that it corresponds to. Um, and then I go to my workbook um, that she did and pour out everything that that study has taught me. It's kind of like my journal of like, oh man, I had no idea that this connected to this and, and all of that kind of stuff. Um, things that I don't necessarily put in the margins of my scriptures because I don't know if I'd be able to like find them easily, but they're, I know exactly where they're at by topic in this workbook. So for me, I really think that the, the workbook is handy in order to, to help me after I've done the study, then pour out my heart and and say what I've learned about Christ. So um, again, it's not absolutely necessary, but like I find it super cr crucial as my my journaling system throughout this whole study, even though it's kind of a tangent to the actual assignment that he gave. Does that make sense? I don't know. I'm so just. <laughs> how do you think he did the assignment? Do you think he started in the Old Testament at the very beginning, or do you think that? I don't know, but he did say that it only took him six weeks. So six ah, weeks covers the entire canon of scripture is quite amazing. I don't know. I, I would love to just have a Q&A. Can anyone get him for an author chat? I would love to be like, <laughs> okay, seriously, what did you do? Because it kind of sounds like, I mean, six weeks. Did you just study the topical guide and then you added an additional assignment for the youth? Or like, like... I'm, I'm having a real hard time believing that you went through all of the canon of scripture, highlighted all of those things in six weeks, but you know, like translated people can do that, right? <laughs> well, Cameron, so are you planning on going through that workbook from beginning to end or are we start like, what are, what's the plan? Uh-huh. Yeah. So let me show you my calendar. Sorry. Also, did you book out time for, to talk about conference or not? I Kind of. Let, let me show you that as well. That's a good question. Why? Let's see. And hide columns. Okay. So in the the calendar that I sent out to you, like I have a hidden column that it's just kind of for my own personal reference because I didn't want to overwhelm people. Um, but I have everything that I am studying on top of what like our book clubs is in order to highlight this whole assignment within a year. So um, uh, like I'm going through whatever Come Follow Me is 
I mean, it's already covered there, so I don't have to like double duty. But in addition to come follow me for that week and highlighting in those sections, I also have to read another canon and, and highlight some of the stuff in there. And so I've got a calendar set up for by the end of 2023, if all else goes well and there's no hiccups in my <laughs> in my studies, which there always is, I'll be able to complete this whole thing by the end of 2023. If that makes sense. So as far as your question on general conference, um, so now that our groups are, are breaking down to three hours once a month, um, we'll, we'll study the topical guide for an hour, we'll study come follow me for an hour, and the final hour is when we'll open it up to whatever is pertinent at the time. Whatever good books people are reading, just extracurricular topics, or general conference that have recently happened kind of thing will fit into that hour, if that makes sense. I don't know. It's kind of a confusing calendar. Hopefully <laughs> we don't have too many hiccups with it uh, transitioning from what we are to uh, that, that new system. If there are, we'll, we'll deal with them, but that's my game plan for now. Um, let's see. It seemed like there was something else with the calendar that I was going to say. I forgot it. Yeah. Oh. But yeah, I, that extra study of all of that is kind of daunting. I mean, that, that's quite a few chapters a week to, to be highlighting and, and going through. But um, this last week was my first full week of doing it. Um, and I don't know, I, I think it was like two chapters short of reaching my goal. But I caught up on those today, so it wasn't too bad. But um, there's going to be some weeks when you're just like, oh, I can't read that much. But, you know, it, there's no deadline on this. We're just, you know, here's a calendar. If it fits, it fits. If if not, we can go longer. But yeah. Anyway, any other comments or questions or anything? Thank you so much. Thank you for all that you. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just a nerd. <laughs> You're awesome. I don't think of you as a nerd. Help. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll see everyone next week for another lively discussion. <laughs> Thanks for showing up and giving up your time to, to study with us. It's, it's been so fun. I love that. Thanks. Have a great week. Yeah. All right. Have a great week, everyone. Bye.